Who needs sources? Why bother with accuracy? The truth is above facts and evidence, isn't it? Not so fast. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It is the season that I move around. My historical, traditional, and future uh, time slot is Saturday from 3 to 6, but because of football, I move around. Uh, So I'm on today, Sunday, 1, 2, 3. And uh, I haven't been on in a while, so there's a lot to catch up on, and we will do it. We also do podcasts, but since my websites have been taken down by the censors at WordPress for absolutely no stated reason, uh, you have to go directly to um, the source for our podcast. So if you're a tweeter, go to um, my producer, Binkley, here's Twitter feed at Freedom Act Radio, Freedom Act Radio, or Monica Perez Show. At Monica Perez Show, I'll uh, I'll tweet how you can get these podcasts commercial-free in case you lose track of when we're on. So uh, that actually, the fact that I was censored, I'm not going to talk about that, um, although it's unbelievably aggravating. However, with Binkley and at CC Designs Help, we are um, actually rebuilding our sites to be uh, much better. We're going to have news aggregation. We're going to have forums to talk to each other. It's going to be super fun, uh, but it's going to take a while. You can still get some blog stuff at MonicaPerezShow.com. Uh, Propaganda Report Daily.com will probably be, um, you can probably get our, our previous posts there too. But here's the, here's how, uh, this is like the flip side of another meme that I've been noticing or theme or movement or psyop or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and that's this, uh, I coined this phrase, created a hashtag, whatever facts are facts, but truth is truth. And it was kind of an offshoot of a couple of things that emerged from the Starbucks, what I'm going to, what I think Binkley might have coined as a PR stunt or a psyop or whatever. A couple of guys went into Starbucks. This was some months ago, and uh, they didn't order anything, and they wanted to use the bathroom. They wanted to hang out. The police report said they were giving the barista a hard time, so she called the cops to get rid of these guys, but the news picked it up. Even the head of Starbucks picked it up and said, oh, this was racism. But So that was the... the that was the outward facing story, but a couple of themes emerged from that story, which I had caught right away because when these guys, any kind of um, media blitz like surrounded that event, you can usually hear from what they're saying, what they're wanting to do. And, and two of the things that came out of that, one of the uh, complainants was, or the guy who got thrown out of the store said rules are rules, but right is right. So I get that sometimes rules fail, but as a general rule, rules have emerged from thousands of years of civilization or handed down by God, or were just established by the owner of a private property that they don't want you there without buying something or it's trespassing. So 
that uh so this guy was saying rules are rules but right is right and i i suspected and i think we've seen that we've had a kind of breakdown of rules and civilization civility anyway you can see it in the senate um and the kavanaugh hearings i had actually anticipated some unruliness in the legislature a couple of years ago, when Vicente Fox used vulgarity on air about Trump, I said, this thing is launching a trend of using vulgarity in the media. It's just, it wouldn't have been allowed before. It would have been bleeped out. It would, I mean, just there's some reason this thing got through. I think it's launching something, and it did. And then I could also see the signs that that might progress to something that you see i've seen a lot in eastern european legislatures where they actually punch each other you know there's there's violence or at least um uh, a lack of decorum in their chambers and i see i think that we're getting there so uh at the same time as that starbucks thing a police chief i think the former philly police chief said this chick was out of line. She shouldn't have, he didn't say chick, but he said she shouldn't have called the cops. It's not like they were committing a crime, but of course they were, they were trespassing. I mean, at the most basic level of agreement, we can say, as long as you agree that the law is there to defend you and your stuff, that trespassing is, is a very fundamental crime. And maybe about the only thing that um, we can all agree cops should be used for, is to protect you and your stuff. So I could see these memes arising, and I uh, and I saw a another trend that reminded me of that, where you could, and this has been around for a long time, but it's getting worse. It's coming to a head, or at least taking off, where stories can be reported where the facts aren't even really true. But the underlying message is correct and or is the narrative that people want to promote. For example, something that we had talked about before was Stacey Abrams story of being rejected by the security guard at the governor's mansion when she showed up for valedictorian day and came uh, with her family off a bus. There was a rebuttal by Zell Miller, who was the governor at the time, by his chief of staff, I think it was, saying he found that really impossible to believe. That um, that it was neither racist nor classist. That is not the kind of operation they ran. Her name literally starting with A.B. Abrams was at the top of the list. And uh, and that is just unlikely that this that it unfolded that way to which her campaign responded. Don't sweat the details. The larger truth we're trying to convey is valid. Now, I myself find that uh, I've, I noticed that since I was a, a, like 13 years old, I remember that kind of a thing where um, people would twist the facts to prove their point. And I remember just scratching my head saying, well, if you have to twist the facts, why aren't you just changing your mind? Because the truth is a result of your observations, your facts, and aren't you just in good faith trying to get to the real truth to the extent these particular facts can reveal it. So I've always been sensitive to it, and I stand stalwart in defense of facts as a path to truth. Facts, evidence, this is what we need. So when uh, I get taken down for absolutely making crystal clear the difference between uh, the facts I'm trying to prevent, the evidence I cite to the evidence, 
I uh, make it crystal clear what is my opinion. I'm open to other opinions. I can't prove this to you because they really messed up my blog posts and it'll take me a long time to get them back to where you can access them, search them, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I can prove it. But that's not what they care about. They care about the narrative that my inquiry uh, can chip away at. And on the flip side of that, you look at a new documentary that came out by Michael Moore, or you look at Bob Woodward's book uh, about Trump that's very anonymous, or you look at the anonymous letter that was in the New York Times recently saying all these things that are really not in evidence, even to the point where uh, Binkley here sent me an article about Michael Moore, about his new movie, where the where the author of the article said he is well known for twisting the facts and all this, but this is the kind of punch in the gut we need right now to see the truth. But how do you, if you can't prove it, if the facts need to be distorted, I would not call that truth. But this is, this is the world we're living in. This is that distortion that we're living in. And uh, I would take it one step further and say when, when the news, the media, the propagandists distort reality, you depend on information. You're constantly trying to gather information, induction maybe. It's called induce the information. And then deduce how you should live or what to expect, what policies might make sense or what principles uh, hold true. So when they distort what you're perceiving, uh, they're distorting how you want to live or or what rules you want to live under. Of course, they, they must be doing that for some other purpose because in good faith, they would not do it. It would lead them to wrong conclusions. But I don't think they're getting to wrong conclusions. I think they're serving their purposes. Now, that's when I, I guess I took like a slight dive down there into a deeper philosophy. So that's when I want to put on the brakes. We can spend the rest of this time unfolding, unpacking those ideas. Uh, I want to say hi to Binkley. Hey, Binkley, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thank you. So uh, did Florence just uh, cripple you? Yeah, it slapped me in the knee. <laughs> You sent me some stuff. Oh, my gosh. That Weather Channel thing. I think it went viral by now where the guy is standing there um, just battling the winds. He can barely stand up. Bracing himself. The brave soldier against the hurricane. And like some dudes in shorts are walking behind him looking at him like, what is this guy doing? These guys are clowns that are going down there and sensationalizing the weather. See, but that's an example of. Well, while we were doing that, I mean, I, I bet you could find someone defend it by saying, we were just trying to scare people because they need to take care of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you're scaring them. You're going out of your way to scare them. If you can't actually scare them with the truth, what are you, what are you after? Bigger FEMA? You know, more? Well, they're just trying to figure out a way to uh, say that this is another example of why Trump is racist. Uh, <laughs> Every story they do somehow comes around back to that for 24-7. That is true. I did notice a couple of uh, examples of that. Well, that, that Anoa Changa, whatever her name is, who wrote about how Alex Jones, how free speech is racist. <laughs> free speech is generally racist, and we need to curate speech to uh, eradicate that. But... Anyway, I don't want to always bring race into everything. I like, uh, I want to go with, actually, that is part of always trying to distort the facts to serve your agenda. It's a very, it's very important part of it, actually. 
Let's. Uh, I'm happy to take calls. We've got lots of stuff. I know you have some uh, clips, Michael Moore stuff. That'll. Oh my gosh! There's one clip that you sent me about Michael Moore. Talk about distorting the facts to promote a misperception for some uh, underlying agenda. Yikes. Let's do that at the bottom of the hour. Meanwhile, I'll take calls, tweets. Uh, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. We're back on 1 to 3 today. Uh, Binkley, my producer, and I, Monica Perez, we're just talking about uh, I morphed the meme rules are rules, but right is right. That was launched by one of the guys involved in the Starbucks uh, episode earlier this year into facts are facts, but truth is truth. And what I mean by that is uh, when you call somebody who's promoting a narrative that's popular in the mainstream media or in the uh it's really seems prevalent on the left right now uh you challenge their facts in order to challenge their conclusions they will poo-poo your uh bizarre attachment to the facts and just point out that the bigger truth is being served and that's all we should care about I really saw that all over the place recently. Of course, this is like side by side. You can literally find the articles on the same page that will say whatever Trump says, they will say um, that, uh, you know, Trump said without evidence, blah, blah, blah. So they'll actually take exactly what they are doing and uh, give it a pass and um, hold Trump to those standards. But the worst example this week, well, actually, that New York Times letter was a recent letter to the op-ed where they're like, they write this whole apology in the beginning. We don't normally have anonymous things, but this is too important. So you expect this like blockbuster with names and dates. Mm -hmm. And it is just a rehash of mainstream media memes that I happen to know several of them were actually untrue. So, the, I mean, half of it was actual propaganda that you can only get from the front page of the uh, mainstream media and this is his inside scoop it's not it's laughable and they and anyway the bob woodward book i gosh i hope we have time for to get into the bob woodward thing but binkley um binkley's little uh um pet peeve this week was michael moore's documentary and i i think you have a review there that pretty much um distills what i'm trying to say can you can yeah you every review second? about this movie is like michael moore's a liar but man we love this movie like this one here. So what's so, this? But you have an actual passage yeah, from one. one of those. Let's hear it. Who's it from? It's if from Slate.com. Slate. And it says, you may not approve of Michael Moore's methods, but he gets the job done. Michael Moore's movies are full of exaggerations and half-truths, slippery, slippery logic, and uh, jury-rigged timelines. But there are moments when half-truth feels like a generous helping, and Moore's overarching points hit home with such force that sweating the details would be like picking fleas off of a charging grizzly. We're in such a moment right now, and Moore knows it. I'm Unbelievable, shocked. isn't it? <laughs> oh, but let's, let's hear it in action. The clip you sent me of him, I mean, I'm hesitant to play it because it's like like downright offensive, but it's not vulgar, so we'll go for it right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. I love your show. Uh, you give so much tremendous information. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 
I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Usually Saturdays three to six, football season I move around. So uh, probably the best way to keep track of when we're on is to follow me on Twitter at Monica Perez Show. Or you can follow my trusty producer Binkley. He's at Freedom Act Radio. Uh, I want to... Actually, we have this Michael Moore clip to play, but I just got a call. I want to take real quick. It's a little off topic, but uh, I just got to take this call. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, Mateo, can you hear me? Uh, I need a little help. Uh, Rachel, my um, thing isn't clicking. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I know Mateo is a tweep of mine, and he follows me on Twitter. And last night was... Uh, the big fight, Triple G versus Canelo. Uh, Mateo, are you on? Yeah, I'm here, Monica. How you doing? Hey, so, so, you know, if you're listening to the show, and I know you do, we are talking about, um, reality, facts are facts, but truth is truth, and how things are distorted by, um, Every, I say, media, academics, and Mm -hmm. politics to get an end that they want. Well... Sports does that, too. As we saw with the first, we're talking about the um, Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez fight. There was one not quite a year ago, and it was I was at that fight. It was very clear, very clear that Triple G had won, yet they called it a tie. It was ridiculous. And then the commentator... Uh, acted like it was totally fair. The HBO t- commentator, who I used to like, Max Kellerman, but now he's like, oh, people are just crazy. It was totally, no way. Triple G won that fight. It was enough to um, uh, make us think that, a lot of us think that boxing is where it ever was, just totally fixed, whatever. Last night, though, I have to say, regardless of the outcome, was... Uh, it was the most engaging fight I've ever seen. And I remember watching Muhammad Ali when I was a kid and I met Muhammad Ali and I still oh. sat there last night at the ed- edge of my seat. What'd you think of the fight? Um, it was a great fight. Like I said, uh, I had it for triple G just a little bit, but um, I could totally see an outcome like a draw, but um, I just thought the commentary, I totally agree with what, everything you said. It just did a, a real disservice to the fight. Um, seems the narrative from the beginning was uh Canelo pushing forward and getting his revenge on Triple G, and they just totally ignored that he absolutely faded late, and he was out on his feet, I believe, in, I think, the 10th round, and it's just really similar to the the way you're talking about uh, today, about the narratives being crafted and, you know, a spin and half-truths being used to shape someone's opinion. Yeah, and Canelo, if people don't follow the fight, um, Golovkin's from Kazakhstan. Canelo is from Mexico. He's very good looking, especially for a fighter. I don't know how he kept that nose intact. He's got cinnamon hair, which is why they call him Canelo. And he's young. And and the and the um I think like maybe the deals are up or pending or coming up on HBO. Uh it just it just smacked of um dishonesty and from the beginning people were pulling for canelo but it was actually like a moment where when i was at the original fight a year ago people who think that i'm always seeing conspiracies everywhere were just like wow you're right (laughs) you know it was like the the eye opener for a lot of people for me it was the boston marathon bombing in the first fight (laughs) say it again mateo at the end oh at the the end of the first fight he he was getting booed by the, the crowd which was you know pretty much in his favor 
And I was there when they called that it was a tie instead of a clear win by Triple G. The whole and this was Mexican Independence Day and it was full of Mexicans, <laughs> not people from Kazakhstan because it was in Vegas. People were booing. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. So, <laughs> yeah. So last night it was good, but I definitely thought Canelo wouldn't have made it another round without hitting the canvas again, but whatever. So uh, tell me something else, Mateo. We got to get us back on track. Uh, well, I'll tell you how. Say- this is how. Do you see this trend? Because we do communicate on Twitter, not just about boxing, that we just figured out. We both like that. Uh, figured out on that um, the, you know, how far do you trust the mainstream media to give you facts, Fox or CNN, left or right? Um, on actually both sides, I take everything with a grain of salt. You really have to wade through, like you said, to find the facts. It's um, it's just littered with like a lot of half truths and and really really like opinion in there. It's just it's 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 just terrible having to sift through a lot of it. And that's why I, I really appreciate what you and Binkley do so much. And like I said, I always research things for myself. And I you know don't take anyone's word. Go find things out and do your own research. But um. Yeah, it's just it's kind of a nightmare trying to sift through all these mainstream media opinions. And, you know, coming from a Mexican family and being Mexican myself, it's just it's so laughable the way, you know, the narrative on Trump is who I'm not a big fan of, by the way. But, you know, that he's, you know, white supremacist, racist, Nazi. And, you know, a lot of my Mexican family are big Trump supporters. But to be fair, they're just kind of like they're going to support whoever the Republican candidate is candidate is but um yeah. yeah i just wanted to say that <laughs> yeah thank you very much um thank you so much for calling mateo uh yeah i would say that they that the the narratives that are generated in the mainstream by people like michael moore they they call names they make allegations and the funny thing is all of this stuff these ad hominem article uh, arguments these are arguments that attack the person directly are a complete and these calls for impeachment a complete distraction from actual policy i mean the focus of even if this is what i said during the obama birther thing the problem isn't whether or not he was born in kenya or even if he won the election fair and square which there was some like that uh, acorn project and stuff. There was some question about that. It, none of that is important. What is important is that tens of millions of people voted for someone who generated, you know, who inspired the Newsweek cover. We are all socialists now. I mean, that's the problem. And and the same thing with Trump or anybody else who who's winning let's focus on or or almost winning however you want to look at it let's talk about the policies let's uh, this you can spend four years and it looks like we're going to uh attacking this guy personally looking back on russian collusion or whatever let's talk about the policies because i'm not defending a 1.3 trillion dollar budget and and his immigration thing is a scam too in my opinion in that he doesn't talk about less immigration he talks about different immigration so he's saying he wants higher skilled immigration. I think that bears some scrutiny. We should be talking about that. Actually talk about the immigration policy and not make it always emotional. Here is an example of an ad hominem attack using facts, uh, the most tenuous connection to a fact or two to spin a totally untrue tale. But 
and and I think, and Binkley has convinced me that Moore knows exactly what he's doing. But this is a Michael Moore interview. Binkley, tell me, can you tell me the backstory on this clip you sent me, which shocked and horrified me? So I want people to, I, I don't even want to play it for fear that people will think it's accurate. But uh, you got to hear the propaganda this guy is spewing. Yeah, he's doing an interview about his new documentary, Fahrenheit 11.9, which I predict will be the top grossing documentary of all time. And this is with ET Entertainment Tonight Canada, and he's talking about Trump's relationship with his daughter, Ivanka. Let's hear it. Ivanka uh, may have been a victim here. And you believe that? Well, I don't know what to believe. I know what my eyes... Let me, let me put it this way. If I were a teacher in the public school, yeah. and a 13-year-old student of mine, a girl, came to me and said, you know, I wanted to talk to you, I wanted to talk to somebody about this. My dad, every time he describes me, he calls me voluptuous. And, and he tells people that if I wasn't his daughter, he'd be dating me. Right. And, and, um, and when somebody asked him, what's the thing you have most in common with Ivanka? And he said, sex. If a 13-year-old student in the United States, I'm pretty sure you have the same laws here in Canada, mm-hmm. came and told you that as a teacher or showed you a picture of, of her on his lap uh, where she's having to kiss him yeah. as a minor, you are required by the law to turn that over to Child Protective Services, to law enforcement. If you as a teacher don't do that, you can be arrested. Right. Well, that's how strict we've made the laws to protect our children. Why, why was he given a pass? Where to begin? Where to begin? I, I want to go first. Go ahead. <laughs> Did, he didn't say those things when she was 13. No, he, he just inserts that and his audience will believe it. And then and, he puts a montage of pictures to reinforce it in his documentary. And a thir- if a 13-year-old girl brought you a picture of her father sitting on his lap kissing him and said, this is freaking me out then that in se- itself would be the problem. But this was a, pit- first of all, dads kiss their daughters, daughters kiss their dads, they sit on their laps. If he was French kissing her, you know, but he wasn't. And what was the, the genesis of that picture anyway, Binkley? The picture he is talking about was a magazine shoot. And looking at it, it is a bit weird, but the mag- a magazine shoot, they're being directed on how to sit by the photographer. This isn't like a home photo that was taken. This was a directed photo shoot that he's basing that on. And and you kind of do what you're told in those shoots, yeah. I imagine. I mean, there's a crazy one of him and Baron and Melania where Baron's like riding a stuffed lion or some crazy, <laughs> you know, it's just like, what is a dumb, terrible picture? But it's clearly posed, staged, whatever. Yeah, and those other things, he said those things in a joking fashion, which come off kind of weird. But to me, play. he said them when she was like in her mid-20s and her 30s, not when she was 13. I think he was saying Trump's a good looking. That's exactly what he was saying. He'd say the same thing about it. So look how beautiful my son. Take your shirt off, son. Show him how beautiful and and how great a body you got. He never did that. Uh, It it wouldn't surprise me if he did, though. Yeah, right. He might have, actually. It might have happened. Yeah, he's bragging about himself when he brags about his daughter. Yes, it's a function of, uh, I mean, if you wanted to psychoanalyze, which I absolutely do not like to do, but you could say, well, a narcissist would do that. You know, narcissist views the child as an extension of himself. 
And that pride is like, oh, look, we, you know, she looks nothing like her mother. She's gorgeous because of us, you know, that kind of thing. Look how beautiful this this baby that I made is. Yes, exactly. So uh, I just feel like that was a shocking example that he would say that. It's so trashy. And he says it like it's true. He just, and he kept saying 13 years old on purpose. That's a tactic Michael Moore uses to reinforce that in his audience's mind. Uh. Yeah, let's talk more about that. Let me take a quick break. 800-WSB-TALK. Or uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a madhouse! A madhouse! On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're back talking about, uh, we just played a clip that shocked me when I heard it, of Michael Moore basically uh, accusing, I don't know how to put it, Trump of having an inappropriate relationship with Ivanka at the age of 13. And as CNN would say, if Trump said anything at all without evidence, he just spun a tale. It's it's shocking. It's so offensive. I hate to use that word, but uh, I'm offended. Anyway, I am going to go to Rick. Rick, you're on with Monica. Can you hear me? Hey, bro. Hi, Monica. What's happening? Um. Uh- yeah, well, going along with this whole, you know, pushing a narrative uh, that you've been talking about, don't, if, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's almost like the Democrats are trying to turn, maybe not trying to turn, but they're borderline terrorists as it's going right now, if you think and look about it. I mean, if you don't believe with their uh, way of doing things or the way... Uh, if you don't fit their narrative, then they want to attack you, uh, you know, running out of. Uh, That's I understand some- where you're coming from. That's very interesting because I started the year saying I thought the theme would be you're a Democrat or you're evil. And then as the year has progressed, I've heard them. Um, we have a clip. It, Binkley, can we play clip three real quick? Can you get that up in a minute? Yeah. Okay, so this is this is I think a stepping stone to what you're talking about, Rick. Um, this is a Noah Changa, who's an Atlanta-based activist, and Egberto Willies, who is a national kind of liberal activist. Uh, go. Never mind. <laughs> Clip three. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that here? Yeah. We were like been out of shape, or this is not how we do things. I had a former state representative who also was the Georgia lead on the Bernie campaign just comment on another live stream that this is not how we do things. I, this is not how we do things. We don't, we also don't, you know, if I, if, position if I, people. No, go ahead. If I may add, yes. this is not the way things are done if yes. they are done right. In other words, Absolutely. if people have Absolutely. no other avenue, Absolutely. this is what occurs. See, that shocks me because, or whatever, I see something in that. And you start, um, I, I see this Eastern Europeaniza- Europeanization of the legislature that they're losing their civility. You see this stuff in um, poor, corrupt countries in other, in maybe third world countries where they have, that the legislature is so corrupt and, they, and there's no protection from police or anything like that for um, their, their rights that they, they just take to the streets out of frustration. These people seem to be wanting to foment that despite the fact that simply because the system which is still functioning is not giving them what they want does that speak to what you're saying rick uh 
Yeah, like uh, look at how Maxine Waters, how she's calling on everybody to just disrupt any kind of Trump administration. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we have more on that, Binkley and I. I got to take a break, but um, we can talk about how they're calling for uh, for a, a level of resistance that will you know, perhaps is meant to lead to unrest. This is Monica Perez. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.